the barren fig tree. Signs that you are past grace. Now then, to show you by some signs how you may know that the day of grace is ended, or near to ending, with a barren professor, and after that you shall cut it down. He has stood out against God, and that has withstood all those means of fruit that God has used for the making of him. If it might have been a fruitful tree in his garden, he is in this danger, and this indeed is the sum of the parable. The fig tree here mentioned was blessed with the application of the means of grace. It had time allowed it to receive the nourishment, but it withstood it, outstood it, overstood it all. All that the husbandman did, all that the vine dresser did, but a little distinctly to particularize in four or five particulars. First, sign. The day of grace is like to be passed when a professor has withstood, abused, and worn out God's patience. Then he is in danger. This is a provocation. Then God cries, cut it down. There are some men that steal into a profession nobody knows how. Even as this fig tree was brought into the vineyard by other hands than God's, and there they abide lifeless, graceless, careless, and without any good conscience to God at all. Perhaps they came in for the lows, for a trade, for credit, for a blind, or it may be to stifle and choke the checks and grinding pangs of an awakened and disquieted conscience. Now having obtained their purpose, like the sinners of Zion, they are at ease and secure, saying like Agag, Surely the bitterness of death has passed. 1 Samuel 15 verse 22 I am well. I shall be saved and go to heaven. Thus, in these vain conceits they spend a year, or two or three, not remembering that at every season of grace, and at every opportunity of the gospel, the Lord came seeking fruit. Well, sinner, well, barren fig tree, this is but a coarse beginning. God comes for fruit. What if I have here, saith God? What a fig tree is this, that has stood this year in my vineyard and brought forth no fruit? I will cry unto him, Professor, barren fig tree, be fruitful. I look for fruit. I expect fruit. I must have fruit. Therefore, Bethink yourself. At these words a professor pauses, but these are words, not blows. Therefore off goes his consideration from the heart. When God comes the next year, he finds him still as he was, a barren, fruitless cumberer of the ground. And now again he complains, here are two years gone, and no fruit appears. Well, I will defer mine anger. For my name's sake will I defer mine anger, and for my praise will I refrain for thee, that I cut you not off. As yet, Isaiah 48, 9, I will wait, I will yet wait to be gracious. But this doesn't help. This has not the least influence upon the barren fig tree. Tush, he says, here is no threatening. God is merciful. He will defer his anger. He waits to be gracious. I am not yet afraid. 
Isaiah 30 verse 18. Oh, how ungodly men that are at unawares crept into the vineyard. How did they turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness? Well, he comes the third year for fruit, as he did before, but he still finds but a barren fig tree, no fruit. Now he cries out again, O thou dresser of my vineyard, come here. Here is a fig tree that has stood these three years in my vineyard, and has at every season disappointed my expectation, for I have looked for fruit in vain. Cut it down. My patience is worn out. I shall wait on this fig tree no longer. And now he begins to shake the fig tree with his threatenings. Fetch out the axe. Now the axe is death. Death therefore is called for. Death. Come smite me this fig tree. And with this the Lord shakes a sinner and whirls him upon a sick bed, saying, Take him, death. He has abused my patience and forbearance, not remembering that it should have led him to repentance and to the fruits of it. Death. Fetch away this fig tree to the fire. Fetch this barren professor to hell. At this, death comes with grim looks into the chamber. Yea, and hell follows with him to the bedside. And both stare this professor in the face. Yea, begin to lay hands upon him, one smiting him with pains in his body, with a headache, with a heartache, a backache, shortness of breath, fainting, qualms, trembling of joints, stopping at the chest, and almost all the symptoms of a man past all recovery. Now, while death is thus tormenting the body, Hell is doing with the mind and conscience, striking them with its pains, casting sparks of fire in there, wounding with sorrows and fears of everlasting damnation, the spirit of this poor creature. And now he begins to bethink himself and to cry to God for mercy, Lord, spare me, spare me, Nay, saith God, you have been a provocation to me thee three years. How many times have you disappointed me? How many seasons have you spent in vain? How many sermons and other mercies did I of my patience allow you, but to no purpose at all? Take him, death. Oh, good Lord, saith the sinner, spare me but this once, raise me but this once. Indeed, I have been a barren professor, and I have stood to no purpose at all in your vineyard, but spare, oh, spare this one time, I beseech you, and I will be better. Away, away, you will not. I have tried you these three years already. You have brought forth nothing. If I should recover you again, you would be as bad as you were before. And all this talk is while death stands by. The sinner cries out again, Lord, try me this once. Let me get up again this once and see if I do not mend. But will you promise me to mend? Yes, indeed, Lord, and I vow it too. I will never be so bad again. I will be better. Well, saith God, death, let this professor alone for this time. 
I will try him a little longer. He has promised, he has vowed, that he will amend his ways, and maybe he will mind to keep his promises. Vows are solemn things. It may be he may fear to break his vows. Arise from off thy bed, and now God lays down his axe. It is the poor creature is very thankful, praises God, and fawns upon him, shows as if he did it to heartily, and calls to others to thank him too. He therefore rises as one would think to be a new creature indeed. But by that he has put on his clothes, has come down from his bed and ventured into the yard or shop, and there sees how all things are gone to sixes and sevens. He begins to have second thoughts and says to his folks, What have you all been doing? How are all things out of order? I am, I cannot tell what behind hand. One may see if a man be but a little to side that you have neither wisdom nor prudence to order things. And now, instead of seeking to spend the rest of his time to God, he doubts his diligence after this world. Alas, all must not be lost. He must have provident care, and thus quite forgetting the sorrows of death, the pains of hell, the promises and vows which he made to God to be better because judgment was not now speedily executed. Therefore the heart of this poor creature is fully set in him to do evil. These things proving ineffectual, God takes hold of his axe again, sends death to a wife, to a child, to his cattle. Your young men have I slain, and taken away your horses. Amos 4 verses 9 and 10. I will blast him, cross him, disappoint him, cast him down, and will set myself against him in all that he puts his hand to. At this the poor barren professor cries out again, Lord, I have sinned, spare me once more, I beseech you. O take not away the desire of mine eyes. Spare my children, bless me in my labors, and I will mend and be better. No, saith God, you lied to me last time. I will trust you in this no longer. And with this, he tumbles the wife, the child, the estate, into a grave, and then returns to his place till his professor more unfeignedly acknowledges his offense. Hosea 5, verses 14 and 15. At this, the poor creature is afflicted and distressed, rends his clothes, and begins to call the breaking of his promise and vows to mind. He mourns and prays, and like Ahab, a while walks softly at the remembrance of the justice and the hand of God upon him. And now he renews his promises. Lord, try me this one time more. Take off your hand and see. They go far that never return. Well, God spares him again, sets down his axe again. Many times he did deliver them, but they provoked him with their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Psalm 106, verse 43. Now they seem to be thankful again, and are as if they were resolved to be godly indeed. Now they read, they pray, they go to meetings, and seem to be serious a pretty while. But at last, they forget, their lusts prick them, Suitable temptations present themselves. Therefore they turn to their old crooked ways again. When he slew them, then they sought him. 
and they returned and inquired early after God. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongue. Psalm 78, verses 34 to 36. Yet again, the Lord will not leave this professor, but will take up his axe again, and will put him under a more heart-searching ministry, a ministry that shall search him and turn him over and over, a ministry that shall meet with him as Elijah met with Ahab in all his acts of wickedness, and now the axe is laid to the roots of the trees. Besides, this ministry does not only search the heart, but presents the sinner with the golden rays of the glorious gospel. Now is Christ Jesus set forth evidently. Now is grace displayed sweetly. Now, now are the promises broken like boxes of ointment to the perfuming of the whole room. But alas, there is yet no fruit on this fig tree. While his heart is searching, he wrangles. While the glorious grace of the gospel is unveiling, this professor wags and is wanton, gathers up some scraps of it, tastes the good word of God, and the powers of the world to come, drinks in the rain that comes oft upon him, Hebrews 6, verses 3 to 8, but brings not forth fruit, fit for him whose gospel it is, takes no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all of his heart, but counts that the glory of the gospel consists in talk and show, and that our obedience thereto is a manner of speculation. And now we come to the cutting down of the fruitless professor. Now, being come to the time of execution, the death or cutting down of such men will be dreadful. Christ at last turns the barren fig tree over to the justice of God, shakes his hands of him, and gives him up to the fire for his unprofitableness. After that, you shall cut it down. Two things are here to be considered first. The executioner, you, the great, the dreadful, the eternal God. These words, therefore, as I have already said, signify the Christ, the mediator, through whom alone salvation comes, and by whom alone execution has been deferred, now gives up the soul, forbears to speak one syllable more for him, or to do the least act of grace further, to try for his recovery, but delivers him up to that fearful dispensation, to fall into the hands of the living God. The second thing to be considered is the instrument by which this execution is done, and that is death, compared here to an axe. And forasmuch as a tree is not felled at one blow, therefore the strokes are here continued, till all the blows be struck at it, that are requisite for its felling. For now, cutting time and cutting work has come, Cutting must be his portion till he is cut down. After that, thou shalt cut it down. Death, I say, is the axe which God often uses therewith to take the barren fig tree out of the vineyard, out of a profession, and also out of the world at once. But this axe is now new ground. It comes well-edged to the roots of this barren fig tree. It has been wetted by sin by the law and by a formal profession, and therefore must and will make deep gashes. 
not only in the natural life, but in the heart and conscience also of this professor. The wages of sin is death. The sting of death is sin. Therefore death does not come to this man as he does to saints, muzzled, or without a sting, but with an open mouth, in all of its strength. Yea, he sends his firstborn, which is guilt, to devour his strength and to bring him to the king of terrors. But to give you in a few particulars a manner of this man's dying, now he has his fruitless fruits beleaguer him round his bed, together with all the bands and legions of his other wickedness. His own iniquity shall take the wicked one himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. Proverbs 5.22 Now some terrible discovery of God is made out to him, to the perplexing and terrifying of his guilty conscience. God shall cast upon him and not spare. He shall be afraid of that which is high. Job 27.22 The dark entry is to go through will be a sore amazement to him, for fear shall be in the way. Yea, terrors will take hold on him, when he shall see the yawning jaws of death to gape upon him, and the doors of the shadow of death open to give him passage out of the world. Now who will meet me in this dark entry? How shall I pass through this dark entry into another world? For by reason of guilt and a shaking conscience, his life will hang in a continual doubt before him, and he shall be afraid day and night, and shall have no assurance of his life. Deuteronomy 28, 66, and 67. Now also want will come up against him. He will come up like an armed man. This is a terrible army to him that is graceless in his heart and fruitless in the life. This want will continually cry in your ears. Here is a new birth lacking, a new heart and a new spirit lacking. Here is faith wanting. Here is life and repentance wanting. Here is a fear of God wanting and a good conversation wanting. Thou art weighed and a balance and art found wanting. Together with thee stands by the companions of death. Death and hell, death and evils, death and endless torment and the everlasting flames of devouring fire. When God comes up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Habakkuk 3.16 But how will this man die? Can his heart now endure, or can his hands be strong? Ezekiel 22.14 God and Christ in pity have left him. Sin against light, against mercy, and the long-suffering of God has come up against him. His hope and confidence now lie a-dying by him, and his conscience totters and shakes continually within him. Death is at work, cutting of him down, hewing both bark and heart, both body and soul asunder. The man groans, but death does not hear him, he looks ghastly, carefully, dejectedly. He sighs, he sweats, he trembles. But death does not care. 
fearful cogitations haunt him, misgivings, direful apprehensions of God terrify him. Now he has time to think what the loss of heaven will be and what the torments of hell will be. Now he looks no way, but he is so frightened. Now would he live, but may not. He would live, though it were, but the life of a bedridden man, but he must not. He that cuts him down sways him as a feller of wood, sways a tottering tree. Now this way, then that. At last a root breaks, a heart string, an eye string sweeps asunder. And now could the soul be annihilated and brought to nothing, how happy would it count itself, but it sees that it may not be. Therefore it is put to a wonderful strait. Stay in the body it may not. Go out of the body it dare not. Life is going. The blood settles in the flesh and the lungs being no more able to draw breath through the nostrils. At last, out goes a weary trembling soul which is immediately seized by devils who lay lurking in every hole in the chamber for that very purpose. His friends take care of the body, wrap it up in the sheet or coffin, but the soul is out of their thought and out of their reach, going down to the chambers of death. I thought to have enlarged, but I forbear. God, who teaches man to profit, bless this brief and plain discourse to your soul. who yet stands a professor in the land of the living, among the trees of his garden. Amen. John Bunyan